can check us out on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out our social media on Instagram at Menovation and Facebook at Menovation Podcast. Episode 64 of The Menovation. We are coming in hot, as we usually do. <laughs> but I have with me a very special guest, uh, my wife's grandpa, Harold, is uh, he's an 84-year-old man who has built family, legacy. Uh, he is a doctor, has successful business and practice, and we thought it would be wonderful to get just some of his thoughts around family and legacy and uh, how he's kept his family together after all these years. He's got three or four kids. He's got multiple grandkids. They got grandkids. He's got it all. So uh, we're sitting here today. Harold, how are you? I'm just fine. Thank you. Great. So why don't we dive straight in? Give us a little bit of just some thoughts about your life. Where do you think, where do you think you've had the most success in your life? Family. I, uh, and that's one of the most important things to me is family. And I've made all my investment in family. And uh, Warren Buffett was asked what, uh, what he thought was his best success or greatest success. He said his children all talk to each other. And, uh, and that's, I, I fortunately share that same experience. That's good. Children all get along. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And they're all they're all here in Phoenix, right? Uh yes. Yeah. Well, except for my son Larry lives in Sholo. Okay. Still Arizona. Yeah. 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 Still fairly close. Yeah. <laughs> what uh when you were when you were young and you were going to medical school and you were doing all these things, how did you how did you just prioritize, you know, obviously continuing your education? Uh, starting to become a doctor, growing a business. How did you just manage all of that? That's a huge <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. Medical school uh, was, was one of the most difficult times of my life, but it was also the most enjoyable time in my life. I had my hands full. I, I worked full-time the entire time I was in medical school. I worked... Uh, at the school a lot. I worked at the hospital that was their teaching hospital. Uh, and uh, I needed to work because I, I had uh, three, three sons at the time and a family to raise. And they were in grade school. So I got one job that I had at the medical school was to work in the University of Wisconsin. It has a large primate lab. Oh. which was very controversial for a while. Uh, made Life magazine and, and, uh, <laughs> because of its treatment of monkeys. But uh, I worked there and I did research on some uh, cancer chemotherapy drugs that were okay. being studied. So that was really worked well for me because I had the advantage of making some money and, and learning at the same time. Uh, another job that I had that was uh, uh, very worthwhile for me in my learning about the human body was I, I, be I became an autopsy assistant, which is called a prosector. Hmm. Uh, and 
I, I became very proficient at that. And uh, obviously, it's much more uh, real to work on a, uh, on a recently expired yeah. body than it is <laughs> yeah. on a cadaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cadavers are nasty smelling. Yeah, I can <laughs> All imagine. the formaldehyde and what have you. And, uh, but you see a lot of pathology, so it was great to have that. It was a great experience, and I would encourage anyone going into medicine to, while they're in medical school, to try to at least attend a few autopsies. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and get involved. Yeah. Did you, were you ever a surgeon, or did you, were you like a general practitioner? Uh, no, I did, I did some modest surgery. I never did any major surgery, but. Mm. I, have, I did more modest surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if you could maybe change one thing about that season that you went through, because you said it was difficult, but it was also the most rewarding. Yeah. What would you change? You know, I, I don't think I change anything. I, 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 uh, I was living the dream. Yeah. You know, isn't that yeah. what we we have yeah. to have that dream? Mm. And I was living the dream, and that's what you need to do to have personal satisfaction. You have to find that dream. Yeah. Like they said in that song, South Pacific, uh, <laughs> if you don't have a dream, yep, yep. then then uh, how, how, how did that go? You got to have a dream. If you don't have a dream, then something goes on. <laughs> yeah. But the dream's the important part. For sure. And then, yeah. uh, but putting the dream together, I it was very difficult for me putting the dream together because I couldn't find, I couldn't think of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I was working as a laborer in a factory and I said, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. For I was sure. doing piecework. Sure. It was very menial and, yeah. and I was grateful to have a job, but it certainly wasn't the one I wanted to do for the duration. And I, I finally came to the conclusion that the only profession that I would really Love would be being a doctor, right? but mm. I thought that's kind of the impossible dream as another song. Sure, sure. <laughs> but that was my, um, the, the, the dream that I finally developed. And that's just, and then when you talk to people about big dreams like that, a lot of people discourage you, mm. you know, they say, oh, you're, you know. Yeah, yeah, your head's yeah, in the clouds. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm working part-time as a bartender and, and then part of the discussion, you know, you get to those things like that and they kind of laugh at you. And, yeah, yeah. But but then fortunately, there are also other people that encourage you. And those are the people you have to listen to. The people mm. that'll buy into your dream and, and visit with people that can help you achieve your dream. When I worked at the Kohler Company, which was the factory I was working at, I had to go back to high school to take some classes in order to get into college because for especially pre-med because I hadn't taken chemistry in high school. Yeah. So here I am 22 years old with three kids and uh, uh, I have to go back to high school. So I went to the high school I graduated from and uh, talked to the principal, asked if I could, could get back in. And he said, well, I'll, I'll have to look into that. Uh, he said, we've already educated you and we've done our responsibilities. So it's, he said, he says, we don't want you coming I, back. no one else had ever done that. Yeah. So let me look into that and I'll get back to you. So uh, he called me uh, 
uh, after a few days and uh, said uh, that, yeah, that would be fine. And, uh, so in order to go to high school, I, was, I had to switch to a night shift at the factory so I could go to high school in the afternoon. So I took chemistry and I took another English course of sorts. And those were the two. And so that was, that was really quite an experience sitting in high school with, with kids that seemed more like kids to me. So then. you didn't do like a night school. You went to like the actual daytime. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And when I asked the, the super, my supervisor at the Kohler company, if he could put me on the night shift, he mm. said, of course he, he, he could do that and encouraged me. And uh, after that year, uh, and I was ready to resign because I had fortunately been accepted into medical school, which is another old story. Yeah. But um, he, he was one of the encouragers in that after that year, and I came back and, and talked to him and thanked him and, and, and give my resignation. He said that he really doubted whether I would complete that. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, but and but the the encouragement was, he said that if if I ever needed money to continue my education, to talk to him, hmm. and that's kind of that's great encouragement because this was a, a yeah. man, a wealthy man, uh, that I respected a lot. Whitey Reinemann was his name, very nice man, and that's the kind of encouragement is really, really good. And I, I had other people that were similarly beneficial. And those are the ones you have to listen to. Yeah. Not the naysayers. For they sure. don't get you anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure at 22, a couple of kids, everybody was like, what are you doing? Just get a standard job. Yep. Support your family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, how did you pay for that? Did you get like a student loans, that kind of thing? Uh, I got, well, I, I had a full ride in school. I fortunately, oh, wow. I fortunately... Uh, did well. Yeah. But of course, yeah. when you're, when you really are pursuing your dream, you work harder at it. That's, well, that's And good. I knew that if I were going to get into a medical school, I'd have to, I'd have to do well. And, and then paying for it, of course, was mm. a, a big challenge. But I worked, uh, I worked almost eight hour, a uh, 40 hour week, my entire education. But a lot of the jobs were, were uh, part-time jobs. And a lot, like one of the great ones was I worked as a desk clerk in a uh, hotel in Sheboygan. And uh, I worked uh, the uh, midnight to seven shift. And that would work good for me because I could do my studying. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I... Yeah. I'd, what a great idea. <laughs> pardon? <laughs> said, what a great idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would... Uh, the only work was really when I'd first get there at midnight because there'd be a few people that I'd have to register that were... yeah. There for an hour or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then the rest of the night I could study. And mm -hmm. I also, you know, you're not going to study eight hours straight. So yeah. I could put my feet up on the desk and, and catch a nap too. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so this was in Wisconsin that you were doing this. What, what were you married at the time? Yes. Yes. And was that just the discussion with your wife and just say, Hey, this is, this is my dream. This is, you know, this will set it up, set us up nice. Was there just simply a conversation that 
got you both on the same page where you're like, I'm going to pursue this with everything I have because I know the other end will be worth it. Did you, did you end up having conversations like that or? Yes. And she was extremely supportive. Mm. And the, the, the one concern that I had is that uh, if I was going to pursue all this education uh, and she didn't have that opportunity, that seemed a little unfair. Mm. So, we decided that I would, I would uh, start, and then when I yeah. finished, she she'd go to school. Yeah. After, after I completed my education, so uh, unfortunately, that never happened. Uh, but that's I like yeah, that though. But you have to make plans. You know, yeah. you've got yeah, to yeah. do the best. You know, and we had a, you know, it was she she shared the dream because. My success was her success. Totally. And uh, yeah. while it ultimately uh, ended up in our getting divorced because the difference in education and lifestyle just, we just naturally grew apart. Sure. Or, you know, or didn't work hard enough at staying together. But mm -hmm. you can't, you, when you marry young as I did, I was just turned 19 when I got married. Mm. And you continue to mature your, your dreams and aspirations change. And, uh, and of course, hers changed as well. And she didn't, she just chose a, a different road than I did. And so yeah. we naturally grew apart. And you get to a point where you say, well, why are we working so hard at trying to save this when we'll both be happier pursuing our road independently? Sure, sure. So ultimately got divorced. Yeah. So, uh, so you finished middle school, Wisconsin, yeah. um, and then where did you go from there? Uh, I came out here to Phoenix to do my internship. Okay. At the Good Samaritan Hospital. Yeah. And that was what four years? No, so, that's just one year. Oh, just one year. Yeah. Okay. It was. Uh, I chose uh, Good Samaritan because I, I one of the challenges and back then in choosing an internship is you could go to a private hospital or you could go to a county hospital. Mm -hmm. And the the issue was that if you went to a private hospital, you'd get more opportunity for education. Yeah. Uh, or you could go to a county type of facility where it's much more hands-on. Mm. And so I ended up, well, I heard about the Good Samaritan uh, from some of our the other graduates from the University of Wisconsin, uh, and uh, oh, and the other big another very important thing for me was at the at a private hospital, uh, you were paid much like three times what you got uh, paid at a county hospital. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so I I had I I wanted I wanted the hands on I wanted the teaching I wanted it all. Sure. And it just gave me the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Well, then still kind of support your family and, and yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah and sure. it was a, it was just a great experience. Uh, I spent the first month at the private hospital setting uh, and enjoyed that very much. Uh, the second month I set, I spent at the county hospital in a county hospital setting. And uh, that I found much superior. I just oh. loved the hands-on. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I, the... The time I spent on on obstetrics, 
I delivered 110 babies in the time I was wow. there. Wow. And during during that month, yeah. Oh, in one month? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was, well, it was, a, it was fun because the residents, they they wanted to do the, the major, I mean, they didn't want to do the cesarean sections. Sure. They wanted to sure. do the complicated deliveries. Mm-hmm. So anything that was reasonably normal. <laughs> here, you got this <laughs> Yeah, one. you got this one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so that would I mean, how could you not, Gain a lot of experience. And oh, for pleasure sure. doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had, I had a lot of fun doing that. That's cool. So my other interns didn't like the hands on. It was hard work. I mean, okay. you know, you, you put in a lot of hours. So they traded me their their months at the private hospital for their months at the county hospital. So wow. I ended up only spending. One month at the private hospital. <laughs> Yet I got the good pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just got uh, phenomenal experience. You worked yeah. the system a little yeah. bit. I like oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just got lucky. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so while you were doing that, were your boys in Wisconsin still? They end up coming out? How did that all end up working? No, they were out here. Okay. Yeah, they, they were out here when I did my internship. Yeah, it was after my internship that we got divorced. Gotcha. Okay. And about how old were they when you were when you were doing that? Six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so they were young. Ten, that range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so you uh, do the county hospital, you do the private hospital, you do that, do your internship. Did you go work for a hospital? Did you start your own practice? Did you work? What did you end up doing after that? When uh, I, I took a there at at that time, there were uh, no, there wasn't an emergency physician specialty even. Gotcha. And the hospitals here in Phoenix did not have full-time emergency room physicians. The the if to be on staff at a hospital, you had to take your you got to take your fair share of emergency calls. Hmm. So there'd be a rotation of the hospital staff physicians sure. would be going through the ER. I and two other uh, primary care doctors uh, started the first emergency room here in Phoenix at Good Samaritan Hospital. That's cool. Yeah, another great opportunity, a good job. It, uh, it paid quite well for me, coming especially. <laughs> yeah, I bet. coming from a from a meager background. Yeah, it, I was my my. I, the first year, I made a hundred thousand dollars. It was pretty spectacular yeah. for me. And what what year was this? This was 1969, oh, 70. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. But I worked, money, but I worked all the hours I could work. Yeah. 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 Again, I had catching up to it. Although I only had $30,000 in debt when I got out of school. Yeah. That's great. That, yeah. That was a surprise to me too. But again, I worked while I was going to school. Uh, again, it's amazing when you, if you have a good dream and 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 it's and it's a, a loving endeavor, hmm. you know. And and people see that as a good thing. They go out of their way to help you. They really do, you know. They're. I think we have a a false negative feeling sometimes that the world's against us. Hmm. But if you're if you're doing a good thing, it's not. It's really really not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What were some of the challenges? Maybe coming from a smaller town in Wisconsin, and having 
you know, just a dream this big where you're like, you know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pursue medical school. And then obviously coming at her doing all these things. What, like maybe talk about mentally, what was the big challenge that you had to get over or maybe deal with? Well, you have to have faith in yourself. You've got, again, you got to, got to have that dream and then, and you can't be afraid to dream and you got to mm. dream big. Yeah. And gotta go for you it. have to pursue it. You bet. Yeah. I can do it. Yeah. Like doing the Ironman marathon. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My brother-in-law just ran the, the, the Ironman and, uh, what did we, what did we say? It was two and a half miles swimming, like 110, 112 miles biking. 114. 114. And then what? 25 miles running. Yeah. Anyways, that's just, yeah. That's wild. Well, what yeah. I really, my biggest concern that was really getting into medical school because sure. uh, I ended up, I, I didn't go to Harvard or Yale, so my credentials on my medical school application didn't shine like they'd like to see it necessarily. And so I ended up, I ended up, I even applied to, to a school in Spain. Wow. I applied to a medical school in Canada, and I, I, I applied to about 25 different medical schools, North Dakota, South Dakota, because those were, those were small schools. Those were sure. two-year schools. You know, so I, I, I was, that, was, that was a job applying to all the schools. The forms were extensive, and there was always a fee, and I... <laughs> sure. Yeah, but I, I made the effort... Then I started to get the rejection letters, and I got rejected from everyone that I heard from, uh, except the University of Wisconsin sent me a letter that said they they put me on the wait list. Hmm. Which, what what happens is, the schools put out these letters of acceptance, and then. Not all people accept that particular school because they make more multiple applications and they they decide a school that they find more preferential, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that creates the wait list. Yeah. yeah. So I had a professor at Lakeland College called his name was uh, Worthman. Oh no, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name at the moment, but uh, he was he did my help me with my. Uh, forms and applications, and then gave me a beautiful recommendation letter as I had to get a lot of other ones. Mm -hmm. But then you have to ask these people to send them to all these schools. You know, it's it's kind of embarrassing and you don't like yeah, to. Yeah. But uh, to make a long story short, I I was, I, I did, as a result of the wait list, I, I did manage to get accepted at, the, at Madison. Yeah. yeah. I love how you, you made the decision. You know, you were kind of working a, a standard blue collar job and you're like, I don't want to do this. You know, you had, I would say, I would say you had enough courage to say, I want to do something different. I want to have something different for my life. I want my kids to have something different. Would you say that, was that just a, like a split second decision or would you, was there just something kind of burning inside of you? Maybe that with the way you grew up. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Because... During the time I'm going through that, creating the dream, mm -hmm. I actually got an ulcer. <laughs> so it was something burning inside. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Yeah. So okay, so go back to your story. So you're you're out here. You're helping start an emergency room with some other doctors. Yeah. 
Um, when did you, because you had a private practice, correct? Eventually. Eventually. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I practiced emergency medicine for, mm, I, I guess, about three years. Uh, uh, I ended up running that because the other doctors were all practicing. Gotcha. And uh, so I ended up managing that emergency medical group because we started to, we kept hiring physicians. Sure. And uh, as the, because this was a, a thing that was happening, there's, you know, one of the things in life, the luck of the draw, because emergency medicine just, that was the, the beginning of it. Gotcha. And so right all place, the other hospitals right in yeah. the Valley wanted to stop, staff their emergency rooms with physicians. And so we ended up, uh, I ended up signing contracts with uh, a few other hospitals. And one of the hospitals that uh, we, we contracted with was uh, Boswell Hospital in Sun City, which was a senior retirement community. Mm -hmm. There were no primary care doctors out there. And as a result of that, the, the emergency room at that hospital became kind of like a clinic because they had nowhere, nowhere else to go gotcha. other than to come downtown. Mm -hmm. And of course, that was a bit of a drive. And so I, uh, it became evident that a clinic really was needed out there. Yeah. And I had some, uh, there were two uh, surgeons that encouraged me to open up a, a a clinic. They were very helpful, and they they uh, said you can. We only they practice down in Phoenix as well. So they said we only use the office a few days a week. You can use it the other days if you want. Hmm. And so I did that, and they were st patients were standing in line from day one. I wow. mean, it was just wow. just amazing. So I ended up uh, hiring. Uh, uh, well, I, I ended up getting an office on my own because there wasn't, I couldn't, you know. Wasn't enough space, yeah. sure. And of course, there was, the line just kept getting longer. And so <laughs> I ended up starting to hire physicians. And uh, eventually our clinic got up to 120 doctors. Wow, wow. <laughs> so it was. It was just kind of spread out or was this all in the same building? No, it was all out, out, all out in Sun City. Wow, wow. Uh -huh. So how long did you do that for? I did that for, uh, well, I practiced medicine for a total of about 15 years. I think probably 12 of that was uh, with the clinic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With the clinic. Yeah. So, but one other thing that I learned is that uh, Suns, Del Webb, when they uh, come up with mm -hmm. Sun City, they, they were really planning for active retirees, the go-go retirees. Sure not the slow goes or the no goes. And so there weren't any facilities out there, nursing home facilities, things of that nature, assisted living, what have you. Was, so th those, re those older retirees had to come to uh, facilities here in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And again, the driving was, was quite a sacrifice for them. I had a next, some next door neighbors, Mary Frank and Mary Kohler. They were well into their late 80s, and Frank had to go into a nursing home. And so she placed him in, in, the, in the closest one she could, but it was still down well into Phoenix. Yeah. And poor Mary used to have to, she'd get on a Greyhound bus in Sun City, go down 
Uh, yeah, and, and the Greyhound bus would take her to the to the city terminal down in central Phoenix, where then she'd get on the city bus and then go to the nursing home where, where Frank was. At. Wow. And then return home was the same thing. So she, for her to go visit Frank, it was an eight-hour day. You know? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and there and she wasn't the only one that was in those those kinds of uh, sad straits. So it seemed to me that that might be a good need to fill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I started getting involved in building in building senior living facilities. Yeah. So you so during this time, I'm assuming during those 15 years, your kids grew up, right? They started to do their own thing, school, college, what have you, have their own families. How did you, how did everybody manage to stay here in Phoenix? Was it again, a little bit of luck of the draw or? Obviously it's partly, it's partly that, but we're a very close family. One, one uh, regret that I had about medical school is I couldn't be the full-time father I would have liked to have working full-time, sure. going to medical school and having that family. And so I always went out of my way to be the best father I could within the, within the halls that I had to walk. Yeah. Yeah. So fortunately it worked. It all stuck with me. <laughs> Still got them all. Yeah. yeah. Right. What would you say, what would you say you really learned during that period? about, um, you know, how, cause like, I love what you said. Like I did, you know, obviously I couldn't be as present as I wanted, but then I tried to be the best dad I could with kind of the circumstances that I had. So during that time, when you said, I want to be the best father I can be, right? was that just the decision or was there an experience that you had that you're like, okay, I can't be around as much as I want, but when I'm here, I'm all in. Well, I, I love being a father and, uh, I was blessed with wonderful parents, and I was blessed with wonderful children, and and now they've blessed me with with uh, grandchildren and great grandchildren, which are the joy of my life. Now it's kind of the reward for all my work. Sure, I mean I've sure. got all the all the the physical things that go along with success, which which is nice as well. But mm-hmm. uh, that family to me has always been my top priority. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So you're, uh, what happened when you get done practicing medicine? What did you decide to do after that? I only practiced for about 15 years. And then I was so much involved with, with the, with the, the development world, Sure, which, uh, it was something new and exciting. Mm-hmm. I became a little disenchanted with medicine, uh, because being a private practitioner, the the age of the of, of specialization came about, mm-hmm. and uh, so I couldn't do obstetrics anymore. I couldn't do any surgery anymore. You'd see, when you see patients, they'd come in and they have a cardiologist, a neurologist, a urologist, and they sure. have yeah, all these tons things. of medication. And some of them, I didn't think it was appropriate for them to be on. But you can really only have one captain of the ship and you don't sure. really want to uh spend your day calling these specialists to say do you think we can take john mm-hmm. off <laughs> mm-hmm. makes sense yeah, yeah yeah so i became and i was and this development was exciting yeah uh and uh, i i uh, the government instituted a program that put a moratorium on building some medical facilities and we did not have a 
few cardiologists, like three or four cardiologists working for us in the clinic, and they didn't have a catheterization lab. They, you know, I told them, well, why don't you guys build one? Well, they were very busy and they weren't so inspired. So, yeah. so I, I formed a partnership. I actually had to loan them the money to form the partnership. Wow. To, uh, and proceeded to make plans to open, a, to build a, mm-hmm. develop a cardiology, a cardiac catheterization lab. Uh, I was going to build it on the property where our clinic building was, but the hospital said, we'd love to have you build it here. But the government moratorium wouldn't allow hospitals to build cath labs at the time because really? they thought there were too many. Oh, okay. You know, so that they, they said the, the reasoning being, well, if you're, if you're doing a cardiac catheterization and, and something goes awry and they have to go to surgery, on an emergency basis, it'd be much better to have the cath lab on the hospital property. Sure. Makes sense. Made good yeah. sense. And so they did a few other things to encourage me to do that. And uh, got it all going, got it built, doubled the size. It was a very wonderful, lucrative project. When So as you're going along this journey, yeah. you know, you're practicing medicine, you're getting into the development world, you have a probably your boys are probably in their 20s at this point. When did you start thinking about like investing in legacy, so to speak, or investing in the broader the broader family? Because I feel like when we're young, that's not something you really think about. You right. know, like what is going to be the legacy for my kids? Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be monetary? Is it going to be, you know, values? What is it, right? right. So when did you start thinking about that? When did you start making that, that shift, so to speak? I think when I started to develop an estate hmm. and wanted to protect that and did a lot of reading about it and found out that uh, the the great families of Europe that were, you know, hmm. had legacies were the ones that stuck together. Yeah. Interesting. So I, there, there were a couple of uh, counselors in, in the city here that you could visit with and, and talk to about it. And so I, I, I did that, and we put together a family structure. The family structure was such that my my one son w- was elected to be the the head of the of the family sure. after me. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of planned to be my successor. All four of three of his brothers uh, wanted that. Fortunately, ended up having a uh, a master's degree in real estate development, and also a law degree. So he was well-educated for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We set up a family partnership that uh, he was, he's the, he's the manager or the trustee of, or I forget just what his title is. Sure, sure. It's done very, it's met our expectations and, and then some, and the boys get along beautifully. They have very much respect for 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 Hank and, and his leadership. We've done some some development uh, under his leadership, and it's been exceedingly tremendously yeah. Uh, yeah. successful. Yeah, we we set things up that if his brothers didn't want to participate with the legacy investment money, they could take theirs themselves. They, sure. they didn't have to participate in this new project if they didn't mm-hmm. want to. Mm-hmm. 
And it's been the case ever since. No one ever has taken their money and run, so to speak. Yeah. They keep it in the in the bucket. Yeah. Do you think it's been do you think it helped them have something together, like as brothers? Especially when it's successful. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's and they and they it's a dream for all of them, you mm-hmm. know. So whenever anything comes up, you know, they become part part of it early on. Uh, a few months ago, uh Hank found a, a, what he thought was a, a great piece of property uh, in a in a good subdivision, tear down house and took the you know the boys all went to see it with them and then we usually go get coffee or something after sure. that and, yeah and so they kind of have an opportunity to share in the goodness of it all you yeah. know well what do yeah. you guys think you think we ought to do this and and so, like I said so far we have. Fortunately, not had any difficulty amongst the boys as a result of that. Sure. Just just the opposite. And it's been a great way to keep the legacy going. In our this world, uh, if you have a bigger bucket, you have a better chance of doing well. Sure. Because you can get better projects. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you, was there anything as this, as you started to build this estate and you were talking to them about these different things? Were there, uh, was there any advice that you gave them? Be like, hey, for example, this is all just money. Like your relationship is the most important thing. Was there any conversations like that that kind of helped them stay together? Because I'm sure there was hiccups here and there, but was there anything that you really tried to impart to them that would keep them together regardless? We're a loving family. I always have been. Mm. And I think that's critical. And, and that have love as fuel is such an additive to the success of things. If you can, I mean, we, we all hug one another. We never get together that we don't hug each mm. other. Uh, maybe that's more typical these days, but like my mom and dad, uh, they never hugged or, or, or kissed. Really? I mean, actually they yeah. did in, sure. uh, between the two of them, but the uncles and or their brothers and sisters, they didn't. I guess that would have been too, I don't, I don't know, it wasn't macho enough, you know. Sure, to, sure, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, so. So fast forwarding now, you have large family, you have all these things going on. If you were to speak to, let's say, a late 20s, early 30s man who's got maybe a young family, what what single piece of advice would you give that man? Like just... Whether it's business, whether it's family, values, attitude, whatever it is, looking back now, what what do you think you would tell that that person? You got to have a dream. Mm. If you don't have that dream, how are you going to make that dream come true? Yeah. If you don't have a target to hit, how are you going to hit it? Yeah. You got to have vision. You got to have vision. Absolutely. And you have to have perseverance, and and you have to be of good character. You have to. Make up your mind. You're just not going to let the world get you down. You, you know, doing the marathon. Sure. Got a plan for it, and and it it comes. And it's amazing how when you're dreaming, you tend to think of all the negative things that can happen, and you forget that good things happen too. You know, and and so. In order to overcome the negative, you have to have that character. You have to have strength, personal strength. You have to believe in yourself, and you have to think big. The, hmm. One of the 
few regrets that I have is that there were so many opportunities that I created that I could have springboarded off of. Really? And, you know, and, and really, when I became, one of them is medicine. When I became disenchanted in medicine uh, and then changed and became a developer, sure. had I stayed in medicine, could have made a good contribution, I think, to making medicine better and keeping it more a profession than a business. Medicine has mm. become a business. Where the real pleasure in medicine is the, the, the opportunity to be compassionate and kind and giving and loving and taking care of people. I mean, that's, sure. that's the core. That's, what, that's yeah. why I became a doctor to begin with. So mm -hmm. I sometimes wish, especially with the clinic and things that I have, I, I, uh, I did the administrative, but I, I worked part of it, but I never really maximize the opportunity that was there sure i could have instilled some virtue like I, I really obviously admire the mayo clinic and i could have had i could have taken it to that far something like that hmm. and i would have i would have set up this concierge medical program a lot quicker than it's happened yeah you know? yeah just because that's where the fun of medicine is yeah, truly being yeah, able to help yeah, people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I love so. that. Along the way, what would you say, you know, again, looking back, reflecting on everything, what would you say your biggest challenge was that you had to overcome? Believing in myself comes to mind, but it's much more than that. Have faith. You have to have faith that things are going to turn out, things are going to be good. You have to have Courage, I guess that's a big part of it. Yeah. 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 Courage. And then, and then the luck comes. I've had so much luck in my life. I can't believe it. Hmm. Just so much luck. Would you say that fear of the unknown, whatever you said, like you said, bad outcomes, whatever it is, would you say fear is probably, in your opinion, uh, a large contributor to people not pursuing things? Oh, I think without a doubt. Yeah. And you have to believe in yourself. You have to have faith, courage, and go for it. Go after it. Yeah. Would you say that? Uh, so let me ask you this then. So looking at today's society of men, you know, uh, obviously with all the things that are going on, uh, we don't need to get into the weeds, but what, do you, what would you say there is something, uh, what would you say is something that people have lost, men of today's generation? What do you think they've lost that maybe men... 50 years ago, you know, had that they don't have anymore. Honor, integrity. Mm. I'm afraid that arena has deteriorated. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't understand how we can have things like are going on in the Ukraine in today's date. I mean, how? Absolutely no reasoning for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, maybe it's a blessing because there's a great opportunity for leadership out there. Especially if we can find people that believe in themselves, that have that have compassion, and are willing to work hard and make it happen, and go for it, yeah, and do it with the again uh, an endeavor fueled by love is and and hard work is bound to do well. That's good. So staying in that same that same vein, what would you love? Would you say that 
honor integrity is would you kind of the main thing you would see love to come back into the society of men like just the culture of men i guess is a better better yeah. way to phrase it yeah had what no, would you I think, yeah go ahead I, I think another thing that's happened that's unfortunate is uh people aren't going to church anymore hmm. and i think there's reason for that obviously there's been a lot of i think the best example is the catholic church uh with the you Scandals know with the, and yeah church, church. yeah uh, that's really unfortunate but we but society needs to have uh some help on a path to help hmm. remind them about virtue and and what have you and that's as a, as a result uh i am i am now a I like to call myself a non-theist. I don't believe in God. Sure. But I, I, I've come over the years to follow the path of Buddhism, which is not a religion. It's a, a way of life. It's sure. a pathway. And read the Tao every day. That's my bio, Bible. Yep. Spelled D-O-W, or I'm sorry, T-A-O. T-A-O. But it's, <laughs> but, it's, but it's spelled like D-O-W. Yeah. You know, that that came out of Asia long before Christ. Yeah. And the wisdom in there is phenomenal. And you all you have to do is read it. Yeah. I'd read it every day, every morning. There's every day of the week they have a uh, a short one page, two page pages on a subject to to deal with it. Sure. Yeah. What would you say brought you to that point? That you, you, that you wanted some sort of faith or spirituality back in your life. I, I think we all have we all have a need for that. It's hmm. just innate. I don't, yeah, you know, higher I, purpose because something you want to know what's yeah. what's it all about, yep. right? And so we search for ways of finding out what's it all about. Yeah, and and that became my best answer. Being raised a Catholic. You know, there's all the fire and brimstone, and if you don't, you know, if you don't go to church on Sunday, you could end up in hell for sure, all sure. eternity. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, my my mind said, how can how can this God be good and and loving and all that stuff and do that to you just because you don't go to church on yeah, Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit of a of sure. an exaggeration, but that's what made me start to question. Uh, and, and being raised in a very strong Catholic home, I didn't really start thinking on. I thought started thinking on my home, on my own at Lakeland College. We had a professor, a little old uh, German fellow, who who uh, shame on me for not being able to think of his name at the moment, but he was a great philosophy professor, and uh, he had the ability to one day he'd. He'd talk about one philosophical approach to life and sell you on it. And then the next day, <laughs> he'd, he'd, go, pick another one. he'd pick another <laughs> one, sell you on that. So he really uh, planted the seed that in me that you have to think for yourself yeah. and yeah. listen to yourself. Yeah. Caused me to start to read a lot more. I had, uh, when I was in high school, I had uh, an English teacher who took me aside one day and said, what are you reading, Harold? And I said, well, I don't 
I don't read, you know, I don't really read very much. And uh, she said, I'm going to uh, give you a book to read uh, because I think it would really help you because you need to get a bigger, bigger picture of life. Mm. So she gave me, and she said, you can't tell anybody. I gave it to you because I could get in trouble. Sure. The book was Catcher in the Rye, which back then, I mean, now it's a pretty modest yeah. book, but back yeah. then, Catcher in the Rye was something a high school teacher wouldn't give a student to read. Really? You know? Yeah. Wow. I remember reading that in high school. So, yeah. 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 What yeah. was the, was it just the subject matter? Was it the, was it a bit controversial? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 So, and then after that, she, uh, she got me uh, other books and, and she was another one of the people that really encouraged me to look bigger. Oh, and another strong group of encouragers was in order to, my mom and dad didn't want me to go to high school. They wanted me to go to vocational school because mm. you can learn a trade. Sure. And, uh, and so I, I said, yeah, well, that sounds good. So I took a metals course and a woodworking course and all that in high school. Woodworking, auto mechanics. Those three teachers sat down with. They wanted to meet with me one day. They pointed out that I was special, and I never really viewed myself as special. Yeah. But they said, you know, you don't really belong in these classes. They saw things in me that I didn't see in me. And looking back on it now, I see it. But wow. But they they had the. That's that's what you call a quality teacher. Yeah, they had the the interest to helping me by the three of them sitting down with me and saying, "You need to do this. Yeah, you need yeah. to you need to get out of this, and you need to I love do that. something else." Yeah, yeah. So those kinds of things are really what help start the glow or get the spark going. Uh, I am special, I guess. Maybe you know, I didn't really believe I was special. As a grandpa now, that's one of the things with my grandchildren that I do all the time. I tell them, they, we hug all the time. Yeah, yeah. Don't we? And, <laughs> and I always tell them I love you, you know, to help get that special feeling that they are special. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I love that. So last question. For you personally, uh, we've talked about a variety of things, so maybe you can, maybe it may be something we've already mentioned, but um, looking, again, looking back, reflecting all these things, what do you think is the single most important thing a, a man can do for his family? Pick the right mother. Pick, a, pick the right mother. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And stick with that other, and be there. You can't be there if you're divorced. Sure. You know, just just a horrible, tragic accident over Jessica's, where a man ends up killing his own children hmm. out of despondency. Uh, I don't. It's going to happen. I mean, not, not everybody's going to be able to. Pick the ideal mother, I guess. But when you when you look for a woman that you're going to marry, 
look for a woman. Just don't look for the sexual gratification and how pretty she is, but sure. look at the heart. She have the heart to be the kind of mother you want for your children. Hmm. That's, yeah. I love it. That's great. And, and if you look hard enough, you can probably find one with a mixture of all of those <laughs> things. Hey, I but, think I did. But, but <laughs> you need to have that. that need, your motivation, again, uh, a venture fueled by love is much more likely to succeed. Than greed or yeah. anything else. Yeah, sure. yeah. or personal pleasures. Yeah, 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 yeah. And don't have children if you don't want to be a father. I think that's wonderful. I don't. Yeah. I don't think people are honest enough with themselves or their spouse. Or I think they kind of get in over their head and they just agree to things maybe they don't want in life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Any closing thoughts? Any anything you wanted to mention around any of these topics that maybe I didn't ask you? Oh, there's just so many. I've, I've been. I just been. I'm so grateful because I had the opportunity to have such a wonderful life. My the level of success is way beyond I ever what I ever dreamed. Yeah, uh, and I'm not just talking about financial success because that's the least of it. Hmm. My biggest treasure right now is my family. All of the all of the things I've got are don't begin to compare with family. Wow, yeah. that's great. Family and loved ones. I've got a my my mate. Pam is uh, has been a wonderful soulmate for me because it's nice to have someone to come home to sure. or to share the intimacy of your life with you know, mm. and not be able to be afraid to be really forthright and truthful with that person so you can do soul searching and and when you hit a wall get some help Go to a counselor. Be careful who you pick. You know, get get sure. a good recommendation. But you, you're not in this world alone, especially if you have family. But but even over and above that, there's all kinds of people out there that are loving, compassionate people hmm. that uh, that want to help you. And don't be afraid to go and talk to them about it. Get some help. Yeah, you know? that's great. Okay, are we good? You all right over there? <laughs> don't do that yeah right okay Harold well thank you my thank you for being my, on the show my pleasure thank you for my the pleasure. wisdom that you share uh, just I hope everybody out there listening just really takes everything he said to heart when he was talking about having a dream and vision and having integrity and having honor and just so many things that you said I think are such a value uh, just this, you know, only being married six or seven years and having the small kids and everything else. I just, I took so much from just that conversation and what you shared. So thank you. So thank you. All right. All right. All right, everybody. We out. Peace.